You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the aftermath, where John Sheeran and myself break down what happened a little bit further in detail than our regular post-game report. Just giving you all kinds of different analysis, opinions, and everything as it pertains to the Cincinnati Bengals. John Sheeran, we were finally privy to witnessing a win for the first time since God, what January? I the Bills win the preseason. Yeah. Um, so. It's been a little while since we've been able to talk about it, and you, sir, are a lucky man because you were at the game. Uh, tell us a little bit about the atmosphere there for those of us who have major, major FOMO, uh, not not fear of missing out, you know, not being there. So uh, how was it, man? It, it was very similar, very rem- reminiscent of the Dolphins game last year for obvious reasons. You had the whiteout again. Felt like that college atmosphere. Chris Fowler was calling the game, so it was really a college atmosphere, I guess, for people who got to listen <laughs> yeah. to the ESPN broadcast. Yeah. Uh, no, it, oh, it was yeah. it was great. You know, it was obviously a sellout. Um, everyone was there for the Ring of Honor too. I have a story about that. They'll probably share with the mic drop. Um, but no, it was it was it was rocking definitely. I think there was definitely some tension in the air just because of there being zero and two, and I heard a lot more boo birds than I would have cared to admit. Yeah, especially yeah. early in the game, you know, there's I think there was still resentment and still not resentment, but a lot of anxiety about what what the game could have led to and the game itself could have probably went ugly really fast had a certain ankle not went out of bounds on one of like the opening plays of the game, but you know, I think we've kind of seen this before. This is what their sixth consecutive primetime win at home, which is still insane to say out loud. And the atmosphere was including the playoffs, right? Yes, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, hey, stark, stark difference in prime time and the performances in them by this Zach Taylor team as opposed to Marvin Lewis, Andy Dalton, and company in those big, big moments. But, uh, look, I mean, there's a lot to criticize, there's a lot to question. But there's also, hey, this was a as close to a week three must win type of situation as you could get 
for a team like the Bengals and the expectations that they, you know, that they are holding. Um, so uh, in a way, while there's a lot to criticize, a lot to kind of be worried about, you're also relieved and you are happy as a Bengals fan and as a Bengals player this week, um, you know, kind of saying, wow, we, we just really needed that one. And maybe this is a little bit of a, a gut check win, so to speak, you know, sometimes I, I think I may have hinted at this a little bit last night, but if not, I'll, I'll reiterate. Sometimes when you're a team that is struggling, sometimes when you are a team that things aren't going all that well, your stars maybe aren't playing up to standards, the wins aren't coming. Um, this is the type of win that you just grind out all the way to the very, very end. Then You know, you're kind of white knuckling it uh, until until those triple zeros hit at the fourth quarter there. Sometimes this is this is the type of win you need to really turn things around in your season. Yeah, I think it was E.G. Reader who said uh, on his way to the locker room, you know, getting back on track and whatever whatever form that takes, I guess, that they will definitely take. I think also just their track record in September in the first few weeks of the season, it's been a lot of a lot of games like this where they haven't won. And eventually, yeah. you know, they, they have been able to to pull it out. But it, it's it's these games that like you need in week one and two when your offense is still clearly finding themselves or whatever, whatever new and fresh adversity they're going to face next year, whatever. It, it's games like this where they have to look back and think, yeah, like it, it may not be pretty and <laughs> a lot of things will go wrong. But, you know, some some part of the team's going to pick up the other part and at Tonight, it was just the defense in usual fashion, I, I should say, for the past couple of years, really showing out and really giving the offense every single chance. But when your team is imperfect, wh whether it's injuries or whatever the issue may be, it's games like this that you need to find a way to win. Because if they didn't, we would be talking about the opportunities that they just left a, a plenty on the field and how they didn't win. So obviously, this is this is the better alternative of, of these two realities. And at the same time, we, we can still now objectively look at what, what are the things that are still plaguing this team? What are the things that will plague them against uh, opponents who will take advantage of some of the weaknesses a little bit better than the Los Angeles Rams when it's not White Tiger night in prime time in, in their home stadium? Like the, the circumstances and the scenarios are only going to get tougher from here on out, and they really need to find some stability and consistency going forward. So, you know, this is a little bit of a... I give some opinions on on the post game report, but this aftermath episode is really about a lot of your opinions, a little bit more of mine sprinkled in here, and it's a it's a roundtable discussion of sorts here, especially with a win like this. And you I mean for those watching the video at the bottom, we have a little you know banner of of a topic there, and it says encouraged or fool's gold with the win. So I. I I am encouraged in a lot of different ways because there are semblances of, of rhythm in the passing game, albeit a dink and dunk type of situation and small yard, you know, small bits of yardage here and there. Um, so I, I'm seeing much more improvement and a lot more rhythm in the passing game in a lot of different ways than two weeks ago. So in that respect, I am encouraged. I am questioning you know i think we had um jake ellenbogen who uh, does a great job with turf show times and all kinds of different stuff covering the rams 
Um, you know, he kind of felt like this Rams team was a lot better than a lot of people were giving them credit for. And I think they've got some nice players here and there, but to me, this wasn't a world beating Los Angeles Rams team. So I go, I, I, I waver here where I go, Hey, I'm, I'm encouraged because there are some semblances of progress being made from early this season. But I also waver John, because, you know, is this, was this just right opponent, right time? Was it actually a, a, high, high quality win. Do we take them as we get them at this point? Um, you know, all of these kind of things start going through my mind here. I mean, of course you take the win, how you get it. There's just some warning signs that aren't fully disappearing quite yet, which is alarming. Yeah. Like the number one encouraging thing is that Joe Burrow's calf is not worse than it was yeah. um, this time last week. Of, of course. Yeah. Right. It, it, I found it, 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 it we're just at a point where you have Dan Orlovsky saying this is the best case scenario for the Bengals. They won and their quarterback's healthy. It's the best case scenario for 32 NFL teams, right? There's right. nothing more important than the health of the quarterback. But of course, he went into this game not knowing with 100% certainty if a repeat of what last week uh, happened was going to happen again. And he made it through 50 plus dropbacks and, and was fine. He took some hits because, of course, Aaron Donald is going to beat Cordell Volson a handful of times. And that's exactly. What happened, regardless of your feelings of Cordo Volson, like that, that's just that's a reality that every team in that situation has to take. Also encouraging, this defense took a lot of criticism for the first two weeks. Um, I, I personally felt that they were due um, just to, to have maybe an off week or two because the offense just hasn't picked up the slack, and they looked they looked dominant in, in ways that they usually do. Right, they are very sack heavy in terms of just converting pressures to sacks. In terms of stopping in the red zone, they were one for four there. So they held the Rams to be one for four there, um, starting with just the, the first one, right? You, you have a, a touchdown called back, and it immediately leads to a DJ Reader sack, and you force a field goal. You have Trey Hendrickson lighting the world on fire against the back of low tackle, a matchup that he should won or that he should win, right? Last week, he went up against Patrick McCarry, the, the Ravens' backup left tackle, and he had very little success because the, the Bengals had no idea how to pressure or not pressure Lamar Jackson. This time, it's Matthew Stafford, who is who is aging and has always been kind of suspect when he deals with pressure, and they just realized that, and they just let him loose, and he had a career game. He, he looked like Miles Garrett out there. You had plenty of players on the defense have really solid games. Dax Hill, Logan Wilson, we can get into all those guys who impressed. So the encouraging sign is the defense is not like it was definitely some overreaction with oh is this defense like starting to regress or is is, is it washed I, I I don't think that was the case and obviously Burrow being but just not being worse in terms of health because he's clearly still got a ways to go and that, that definitely looked to be the case and that is where you kind of look at okay he's fine but he's not actually fine and then on offense I guess the only encouraging thing that I can say is if they if they really want to get Jamar Chase involved, like they will find other ways to do it. And I think motioning him more, especially on on running plays and just getting any sort of pre-snap motion while the snap is happening, just to confuse or just pause the defense just for a split second. I think that was a positive positive evolution, and just getting him out in the space more often and generating an explosive play with him, like that that that's that's objectively encouraging to see. And everything else is like, yeah, it's more of a, in a wait and see period right now. Yeah, Tim Lyons in the Facebook chat says, did love all the motions they put Jamar in. I played this last night in case you didn't see it, and I know it's probably about 1.30 or 2 a.m. for some of you out there. This was one of my favorite plays um, on offense, probably their most explosive one. 
mean, if you want to consider the touchdown run by Joe Mixon as the most explosive you can, but this is, I think, to your point here, John, um, you know, they do the fake uh, toss out and then a nice, nice play to Jamar Chase. Uh, I think that was, you know, 30, 35 yards. Um, but that's the kind of creative stuff that they worked on this week that getting him the ball more that I think that, uh, you know, he, he kind of made some comments openly in the media did chase about getting the ball more and getting the ball downfield to him more. So they did find some and make a concerted effort to do so on that. You know, I'm seeing a lot of stuff in our live chats, a, a couple, um, I mean, I talked about this. I didn't want to, I didn't want to go here and a lot of, you know, I didn't want to go far into this because I don't know how much I buy into it necessarily, but you know, there's, he got, he got blanked in week one on eight targets against Cleveland and the Cleveland defensive backs. We know are very good and match up well against the Bengals receivers had a nice rebound game in week two did T Higgins. And then last night had three drops, at least two, um, three, I think three drops, one of which was on a third and long that he would have converted um, on a on a pretty critical time of the of the game. So I mean, of course, you know, questions like this uh, rightfully come up. But from Christopher Crowley in our live chat, you know, do you have any concern about T Higgins' contract situation? You know, is there just a distraction there? Are you pressing too much? All of that is um, you know goes through your mind because you know you're working for that next contract, and he's. A, a young player, he's human. This is the kind of stuff that go, you know, comes through your mind. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I tend to think it's just maybe a little bit of uh, hangover rust from the summer, not getting the snaps in the games and all that kind of stuff. Maybe that's that's part of it. Maybe the contract's playing into it. I, you know, you and I have a soft spot for him. He's he's been kind to our show. He's been on it and, and great guy. You know, million dollar smile, great player. And so, you know, obviously we all wish the best for him, but I mean, there have been uh, in, two out of the first three games have been a struggle for T Higgins this, this year. I, I think he's a uh, person. I think it's irresponsible for anyone in our position to just say that. Yeah. Like the contract is the main reason why he's not performing up to snuff. Or right. He's look, looking right. distracted. Right. Like, I, I think it's, it's up to him to either admit that like Jesse Bates did in the middle of, of the 2021 yeah. season. And if, if that it does end up being the case, from from what I know, like Higgins loves to be here, and he would still love to be here. And mm-hmm. that agreement's either going to come or it's not. But I, I I I'm not comfortable saying that that's like definitely the reason, or it's enough to, to just speculate. Just because like we saw him look his like his old self against the Ravens, right? He was the main reason right. why why they were ended ended up being in that game. The drops are uncharacteristic. Like T Higgins doesn't normally drop passes, so players can have off games we just we literally just saw Dre Hendrickson have one of the worst games I've ever seen him play against the Ravens and then look like again like one of the best players at this position right. that we played. so right. like, the, the, right. the stuff kind of happens obviously with the contract situation being what it is it's easy to kind of speculate but I don't feel I don't feel comfortable doing that just yet until we have more information about it yeah yeah I, I, it's just a you know of course when when there when this kind of situation happens, that's a, a talking point. But I, yeah, I wouldn't say that's the reason why. It's just a talking point that does come up, um, unfortunately. But I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be fine. Um, you know, just a rough night, and yeah, the score may have been a little bit different had he made a couple of those catches, but uh, he didn't, and the Bengals still won, and that's good news there. Uh, but I mean, overall, I think um, I think there's a lot to be happy about particularly on the defensive side of the ball, John and the defense, as you mentioned, Trey Hendrickson played like a 
man possessed last night. Um, and I got to tell you, I, I am really, really pleased with the first three starts from Dax Hill. I am seeing a lot of things from him and it's, it's physicality. It's support in the run. It's get, you know, getting his hands on the football and making an interception in that, in that first week. I mean, he has, he has played very, very well through these first three weeks as a collective set of games. And then you've got Hendrickson doing work up front. Hubbard finally, you know, kind of started coming alive in this one a little bit too. So the defense just really, really came to play. And quite honestly, I mean, I know that the Bengals offense scored and, you know, we're, we're completing far more passes than they were earlier this year. But I mean, this, this really, I think came down to Evan McPherson kicking really long field goals and the defense playing very, very well. Yeah, for sure. Um, that defensive line for the Bengals, it had a clear mismatch against the Rams offensive line. It's it just, it's not the same unit. It is almost like the reverse the inverse of what the Super Bowl was, right? It was the Rams offense line this time that was very, very overwhelmed and the Rams offense couldn't do enough to overcome that. So all those guys won their battles and their matchups as they were expected to do. You know, they're very high, very highly paid. They're very good at what they do. And that was just, this was a matchup for them to kind of tee off. And it didn't really start until really kind of the second half because Dax Hill had, like you mentioned, he's the only one, by the way, on this defense that has an interception to tackle for loss in the sack. If you want to talk about who on this defense is the Swiss Army knife, who's wearing the most hats, who's aligning up in the most diff- in the, the most amount of different um, alignments, it's Dax Hill, right? The box score stats don't always translate to how a player is doing, but it, it's not it's not s- super shocking that he's the only one who qualifies in all three of those categories. But he's playing fast, and I think the more he does play, the more comfortable he plays. But that speed and explosion is there, and it's an asset that the Bengals have not had in the secondary, despite how good the secondary has been in recent years, it's not something that they've had in the back seven in quite some time. They've had Logan Wilson for a couple years now, but he played as usual, phenomenal in coverage. I think that that first interception where Stafford was kind of sidearming it and he stepped in front of Van Jefferson, that was so impressive. Again, to to have the ability to drop back into that deep Tampa two shell, to flip your hips, to read the quarterback's eyes, and then make a play on the yeah. ball. It's it's yeah. everything. It's it's everything for why the Bengals paid him what they did as a linebacker, a position that they rarely play because he is a modern day linebacker and he's exactly what the Bengals defense has needed for so for so long. And so it, this game though, like by the, by the end of the first half, I'm thinking to myself, this is like watching the jets. It's a, it's a defense that's just dominant. It's suffocating. It's making great plays and the offense is just leaving them out to dry. And I, you know, I, I'm happy for the defense's sake that the offense finally got their, their their stuff together a little bit in the second half and that the defense continued to stay alive because it, w- it would have been a shame to waste that performance. Six sacks, two interceptions in one game does not happen a lot, and it would have been a shame if that happened in a loss. Do you buy that? Because I've been, I've been holding on to this opinion that part of the reason of the defensive struggles, yeah, there's been some sloppy tackling here and there and, and that sort of thing, but they have just been rushed out there so quickly and over and over again and now the Bengals even though it didn't always equate to points they had more sustained drives uh just because of the dink and dunk passing and kind of methodically moving down the field a bit more in this one as opposed to three plays two yards punt three plays two yards punt um I I feel like that kind of allowed and and maybe again like you said better matchup on the offensive defensive line you know between them there uh 
just a better matchup maybe. And they, and they took advantage of some things as well. But I, I do think the offense, even though they weren't scoring points and even though they were failing to get into the end zone and all that kind of stuff a, a bit more, I do think some of the drives went a little longer to be able to give them a little bit more of a spell this week, as opposed to just boom, you're out there again, boom, you're out there again. And they're just gassed a lot of snaps being taken and everything. Yeah, that was, that was the biggest problem in week one just because they had like no first downs to speak of against right, the Browns right. and eventually the defense is going to wear down and it was a little bit better against the Ravens because the offense started to look like its old self in the second half but I don't know man like in the first half they had what three points for the first 29 minutes and then Evan McPherson kicked a long field goal to end it and to give him six points like Brad Robbins still had a busy night they didn't they didn't sustain a lot of drives necessarily and they consistently put themselves in second and long and third and long yeah tim Lyons. they did compare him to the jets did, did, did you did you see them out there for, for most of the game like yeah obviously joe burrow is better than zach wilson but this was the first time that the Bengals have won a game in which joe burrow has had a pass rating of less than 80 it's actually his second worst pass rating performance in his career and his worst one was against the browns he was 59.8 and sometimes passer rating doesn't always tell the full story because it leaves out rushing yards. It leads out, you know, some context in terms of moving the chains and whatnot. It, it pretty much told the full story this night. Like mm-hmm. obviously Burrow and his footwork, it's still not what it needs to be because he's dealing with that calf. The mobility and extending plays is not where, where it needs to be. That in itself is eliminating so many opportunities for explosive plays. And it's literally what he said after the game. That That's how those opportunities are created when your quarterback is able to get out of the pocket and extend plays and hold the ball longer those things are still limiting this offense in itself and injury or not the quarterback and, and his limitations right now, his physical limitations, it's just, it's just handicapping the offense a lot. And that's what just, that's just what we saw for most of the game. Support for this show comes from Sylvan learning as a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, uh, we are going to talk a little bit about who 
who impressed, who didn't, and, and some worrisome areas. I've got some areas of, of concern going forward here, um, and, and some of them are statistical as a team. Some of them are individual, but we'll talk about that in just a second. Um, if you're new here, welcome. We appreciate you checking us out, part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel, along with Talking Football with Bengal Jim and Friends, Matt Minix, Coach Speak, and Chalk Talk, as well as 3 and Out with Jason and Kevin. We call this show the Orange and Black Insider. He is John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Cazenza. We've been doing this for a little while now, just a little while. He and I having a lot of fun do it. We're, we bring you a handful of episodes every week, including a game preview. Uh, the occasional listener questions live, which we're going to try and do this week at the end of the week, as well as this show, the aftermath, a post game report, and a uh, you know a Thursday night, like I said, kind of a preview, long uh, long form episode. And we do some creative stuff, at least on occasion, whether it's the sh- on the shorts or narrative videos, that sort of thing. We do some stuff on our YouTube channel that is exclusive there, so you're going to want to click the subscribe, the, click the show icon beneath John and beneath that Cincy Jungle icon there. Uh, click that to subscribe. Click the bell to be notified to uh, when we go live and when new stuff's available for you to check out on that YouTube channel. Give a thumbs up to the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. Go to cincyjungle.com for news, pin, opinions, analysis, podcasts, all kinds of stuff uh, on the Cincinnati Bengals. And also go check out what my guy John is doing at a to z sports.com. Killing it over there. We appreciate all the support, and it's always good to see. We've got a lot of people in the live chats and stuff, so um, good to see all of you. Thank you for joining us two nights in a row. We appreciate it. Let's talk a little. This is kind of a weekly standard on this one uh, for for the aftermath, who impressed and who didn't. Um, It's easy to start if if we're going to (laughs) go – if we're going to start with the negative, it's easy to go with this one from Mr. Whisper. You talked about it a little bit. Um, and thank you for the super chat. If you are also inclined uh, and want your want to make sure that your comment gets uh, on the show and or top priority, particularly when we do listen to questions live and stuff, um, we accept these super chats. Most of the time we've been giving them to charitable stuff from special guests that come on our show, but uh, we appreciate the support. Nonetheless, obviously, Mr. Whisper talking about Cordell Volson and his double goose egg Pass block rating per PFF 0.0. And of course, noting that Joe Burrow threw 50 times, unacceptable. That cannot happen. You are correct. But again, it is Aaron Donald. So there's a little bit of a pass here in that regard. But I'm feeling like this offensive line, for the most part, is playing a lot better than years past. Uh, so I have I have some concern there with, with Volson kind of, standing out, I guess, at this point as the guy who, I don't know, is, I I don't know. I I don't know how you want to word that, but he's standing out for the wrong reasons among this group of five. And uh, last night and that 0.0 pass block rating is not, not good. Yeah. I mean, he's clearly the, if he's clearly the lesser of the five starters and any defensive coordinator with a brain with Aaron Donald saying, yeah, you're lining up against this guy for the entire game and you're going to take what you can get. And he ended up getting, I think, six pressures and a couple hits on uh, the quarterback. It, it, Oh, man, this is why it's like when Joe Mixon is saying that this guy is going to be a future Hall of Famer and Ted Karras is saying, you know, this guy is just built different and everything. It's like, yeah, it's all great and everything. He was still, you know, a little bit subpar as a rookie and it's hard to go from subpar to really good in just a year 
regardless of if you're an older player who's who's a young player in the league, regardless of anything, um, work ethic and you know blue collar background and all those things. Folsom was always kind of a limited player, and you can't be a limited player and expect to shut out Aaron Donald for an entire game. I know people look at the grade and think, okay, he had no positive plays. That's not true. It's not how the PFF grade is calculated. He officially right. had like five pressures allowed, a couple of hits, uh, pass blocking efficiency of 94. Still not great. 0.0 is reflected into how bad the negative plays were and what they led to in terms of EPA and all that stuff. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't good. It's not time to just say bench Volson or anything. I'm not, not saying anyone is saying that, but like the 0.0 grade looks terrible, obviously, and it was a bad game, but it's like, yeah, there, there, there's some context to it, you know? Yeah, for sure. On the flip side, though, like I said, I think the rest of the offensive line, Jonah Williams played pretty well last night. Uh, there was a, a clip uh, that Joe Goodberry put on the um, his his Twitter account of <laughs> – I didn't catch it in the game, but it was of Orlando Brown ducking behind uh, in front yeah. of Joe Burrow to give him a lane to throw. And that was something I was thinking about. And and we talk about how these first couple of weeks have been about uh, these last couple of seasons. The first couple of games have been about, man, these new, a lot of new guys getting acclimated, all this kind of stuff. Orlando Brown Jr. is like 6'8". Jonah Williams, who who has played left tackle, is like 6'4", 6'5". So that is an additional three inches. And Joe Burrow's not a small guy. I think he's 6'3", 6'4". Um, that is a, a player that, you know, as the line moves and potentially gets in your line of sight, that is, that's a pretty big difference to adjust to as a quarterback as well, sight line-wise, getting a passing lane, that sort of thing. Uh, if you're talking about three or four inches of height from your tackle, that's that's an adjustment, especially, you know, even with all the practices and all this kind of stuff. In the game that can look different at game speed. So, I mean, that's something as well that perhaps is one of the many things that this team continues to acclimate to. But I, I still think Orlando Brown Jr. has been, been good the first three weeks. I thought Jonah Williams played pretty well last night. And so I, I think while there are a lot of things to work on and we can point out this, this ugly pla uh, pass block rating, score for Volson. I, I think there's still some some good signs of optimism overall for the offensive line, particularly after this week. Yeah, I think both Brown and Williams have been they've 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 both been fine. Like I think Williams has been charged with a couple sacks so far. But in terms of just their per snap production, I think they've been relatively equal. And they had really good matchups tonight. Again, the Rams don't have literally anything at edge. So they, they, this was something that they were supposed to win. I think they have Jonah Williams. <laughs> they do have Jonah Williams. I didn't hear. I didn't hear the other Jonah Williams's name. Maybe once or twice. But yeah, yeah. yeah colossal matchup there. But I, I think the, the Bengals' confidence in the offensive line is partly why you know they had Burrow quote unquote dropping back fifty times. We need we need to talk about that though because there's kind of some ignorance with it. Um, fifty dropbacks is not the same as like fifty dropbacks. As a blanket statement, it, it it lacks a ton of nuance, right? Obviously, Burrow gets the ball out quickly, and not all passing plays involve him going through multiple full field reads and you know putting him in in harm's way of, of pass rushes. We've seen in in recent years the Bengals like to have an extension of the run game with the passing game. Part of that is with RPOs. There was a lot of called RPOs that Burrow pulled the ball back, ended up throwing, and again the ball gets out within one or two seconds at, at the absolute most. 
There's obviously a lot of quick passes in general. It's not putting Burrow back there 50 times with five-step, seven-step drops against Aaron Donald and asking him to hold the ball for long periods of time. 50 dropbacks in this case is it's just be, just take the snap, look for a couple seconds, throw the ball. Like It's not the best offense right now. Obviously, the results kind of speak for themselves. But, but the narrative that the Bengals put Burrow in harm's way and completely lacked the, the situation awareness of, of, of his calf situation and asking to have this full game of work with that, I, I think is very misleading with what actually happened in this game. And also, it would be great. It would be phenomenal if the Bengals could hand the ball off to Joe Mixon 30 times and him average five, six, seven yards per carry and every single carry goes that distance. It's not what it was. It's not what it was last night, but but at, at halftime, he had seven carries for 23 yards. Like he had a great drive in the third quarter when they ran the ball, like I think four times for 29 yards, ended up with a 16-yard touchdown. It would it would be perfect if the Bengals could just do that all game. They can't, especially not when they're in shotgun all the, all the time. It's easier to run the ball and make it more efficiently when you diversify it. And right now they're just stuck in shotgun because they can't have their quarterback drop back from under center. It's just it's just the way things are right now. It's not them putting Burrow in harm's way like that. Yeah, it's an interesting nuance you bring up about, you know, 50 drop. You know, it's not 50 right under center. Exactly. Five, seven step drops where he's planning over and over and over on that calf. That's not that's not what what this was. There, there were 50 pass attempts. That doesn't mean, you know, it's 50 huge drop backs or deep, you know, deep drops, all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a, that's a good nuance you bring up there. And, and yeah, look, we've seen Burrow operate out of this, uh, out of the shotgun and out of this particular, you know, spread offense where he kind of eagle eyes everything, right. Where he can kind of survey and he doesn't have to do the dropbacks and he operates well out of this. Now, unfortunately, sometimes it's kind of like last night where it's death by a thousand paper cuts. It's three yard passes. It's crossers to Tanner Hudson that get you five yards. You know what I mean? It's, it's not necessarily the, the prettiest or explosive sometimes, but if it's methodical and it can get you points, sometimes it works. Here's another area of concern for me, though, John. This is kind of continuing. And again, we've on the positive side, we have seen this offense evolve. We have seen it change to be a productive unit. We know it's there. Jamar Chase, 12 catches, 140 plus yards last night. So the production can be there. But this is still reminding me even with the offensive line playing a little bit better this is still reminding me of the last the last two postseason runs in the offense there it is it's it's setting evan mcpherson up for these long long field goals it's just getting past midfield you're settling for field goals in general instead of touchdowns granted you're not turning over the ball over and over and over which is great and uh you know you're in the game it's a competitive game but it, it it's very reminiscent to me of the last two postseason runs where the Bengals were settling for field goals way more than they should have. And ultimately that's what cost them a, a championship and a, and a shot at another one. We, we have to bring up explosive plays again, because until they start generating them consistently, like the, the, this leads into Burrow dropping back or throwing as much as he is, because if you can't move the ball, more than just maybe like four or five yards at a time, which at, at a point was just their passing offense a little bit. It's going to lead to long drives and it's going to leave the drives that get stalled out at the 50 or at the 40. And then you have Evan McPherson trotting out for, for four 50 yard field goals a game, right? It, the drives just become so much easier 
when you can not only push the ball down the field, but you can extend plays and find the soft spots in these zones. And then those explosive plays come from there. It comes from yards after catch. It comes from the magic plays that Joe Burrow usually makes when he's fully healthy. They're just not there right now. So at, you're at a point where if the Bengals start the ball or start the drive, you know, uh, behind their own 30, it's almost like it, it needs to be like a 15 play drive in order to get in, into touchdown range. And so much bad stuff can happen. Like Joe Burrow threw, I think, a fine pass to Tyler Boyd, and the quarterback just jumped over Tyler Boyd and intercepted with one hand. Like that was an incredible happen. play. Yeah, that, that, that was an that amazing was an interception. Yeah. You want to talk about who impressed that quarterback impressed me just with <laughs> one play. Witherspoon, right? Wasn't it Witherspoon who made it? Yeah, that 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 was crazy. But I mean, y- you need it's harsh, but you need more efficient quarterback play. Um, I, I don't I don't know if it's just the calf that's bothering his footwork, but there were just there were just uncharacteristic misses from Burrow in this game, whether short or deep. And I, I think they they did get kind of get to a point where like, okay, we're just gonna just try the, the these deep concepts just to see if they work, and none of them did work until they had Jamar Chase, you know, wide open. T against Cod pass, but. He was rightfully called for offensive pass interference. So they're, they're, they're just trying a lot of things right now, and they're just not getting the best play from their quarterback, and that's going to lead to long drives. It's going to lead to a lot of passing attempts, unfortunately, and it, it, it just requires them to play perfectly, and right now they're just not. Yeah, and I think it's to me it's a myriad of factors. It's, it's Burroughs, Calf. And then, you know, when you start to get a little bit of a rhythm, you have a, an uncharacteristic T. Higgins drop. You have an OPI penalty. Uh, you, you know, you have, you have, you know, something else pop up where you go, oh, man, you know, and then all of a sudden your drive that was looking kind of promising stalls out for a variety of reasons. So I, you know, I, th- I don't think it's one thing. I don't think it's one player. I, I think it's a, a myriad of factors, but I do think that as we've seen, they get it going later in the year. I mean, it, the, the first, I mean, even after the first two games last year, it was still a little bit of a painful process on the offensive side of the ball last year. I mean, it took them into that, that, you know, kind of the early middle stretch uh, of the season to really start looking like the team where, you know, you're, you're throttling the Panthers and, you know, you're, you're beating up on the Falcons and that sort of, this sort of thing. That was more middle-ish of the season. And maybe that's just what we need to expect uh, the preseason deal where you don't play and then you know, the injury, all this stuff. I mean, that, that, that plays into it. And we're talking about week three here, Again, I still I'm still seeing progress, although it may be marginal overall. Um, I'm seeing a lot, maybe not marginal from week one. Week one was just horrific, but uh, (laughs) um, I mean, from last week to this week, I I would say there's maybe some marginal progress. But overall, I think it's just going to take a little more time. Yeah, if you were to tell me that you know if Burrow's going to play and he just clearly wasn't 100, this game was going to have to be low scoring. It was going to take a phenomenal performance from the defense for all four quarters it was going to take jamar chase stepping up and it's going to take more evolution and more creativity to get him more involved and just carrying parts of the team that are just unfortunately not clicking on all cylinders it's going to take aaron donald not completely ruining the game and all those things happened and it led to a three-point win so kudos to them for actually doing that there's definitely encouraging things to take away there's also some big moments that i i think you know maybe are going to go unnoticed because the offense was stalling for quite some time in the first half. And Tanner Hudson, shout out to him, who was starting in this game for Irv Smith, catches a seam route down the middle, an actual you know positive play down the field, sets up the, the field goal to end to end the first half. Even, you know, I'll, you know, I'll give 
absolutely I'll give credit to Joe Burrow for this one. Like he gets hit very hard against Aaron Donald. The whole stadium gasped, by the way, when he went down. He was down there for like a couple seconds. Immediately the next play, he hits a slant to Chase. Chase makes a great catch behind his body. It, set, it sets up a touchdown to Joe oh, Mixon yeah. a few plays yeah. later. Right. So there, there, there were definitely some plays where they were hit with some diversity and they bounced back immediately. And that that's those are just the plays that they that they need to make if not everything is firing on all cylinder right now. Yeah, that that throw to Chase where it's kind of behind him, it actually was a even though it looked like it was like, man, that's not a great throw, it actually was kind of wise because there was another yeah. defensive back coming in front of him that you know kind of could have undercut that a little bit across the middle. So yeah, that, that that's a that's a good point there. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, Victor Pate, thank you so much for uh, the, the super chat there. You... We see you commenting on our videos and checking it out. We appreciate the support, Victor. You are you are awesome. Um, let's kind of start wrapping up a little bit here and talk about what's ahead for the Bengals. They have a stretch of games coming up here where, I mean, you would you had hoped that they would have come out of the gates at least a tiny bit better. Uh, maybe be two and one like the rest of their division and have a division win under their belt. But that's not the case. So now they have a conference game coming up this week. Uh, and then, you know, a couple of other interesting uh, interconference games coming up in the next couple of weeks here. But a, a winnable stretch before the week seven bye, John, is, is coming. We've got the Tennessee Titans coming up here in which the Bengals have had a lot of success against recently uh, two big wins against them in respective uh, back-to-back seasons. And then of course um, they are struggling right now coming off of what a three touchdown loss or, or so from the Cleveland Browns. So the Bengals now, but they are in a short week, I believe this one's in Tennessee, right? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. So this, you know, short week, you're traveling all that kind of stuff, but this appears to be a winnable game as do the next two, which are at Arizona. Again, you're traveling, not great. And then you're home for Seattle right before the bye. Arizona is kind of sneaky. They, they just beat they Dallas by I think, 10. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, we, we don't have to get into Arizona. I, I just think it's kind of cool. Like everyone's kind of doubting them you know, immensely. They think they're going to tank. And then Josh Dobbs come to, comes out of nowhere and looks pretty decent. So that's definitely going to be very interesting if the Bengals are like one and three in that game or if they're two and two and they need to get back over 500. But right in front of them is Tennessee, obviously. And there's definitely a confidence in the sense that, okay, they've gone to Tennessee like the past two or three times and they've won. They seem to have the formula for stopping Derrick Henry. The Browns definitely have the formula for stopping Derrick Henry. I, I see that game kind of similar to the Rams where it's an offense that, the Bengals should have success in terms of pressuring Tannehill. Andre Dillard at left tackle, he's not having a good year. He just got manhandled by Miles Garrett. So Trey Hendrickson should be favored to win as many times as he as he did against the Rams. Tannehill is not a quarterback again that handles pressure well. He's kind of like he's kind of like Stafford in that sense. But 
I think the Titans, like the Rams, can also pop off with a couple of explosive plays. Like the Rams still had success down the field with two two and in Puka and, and whatever, and they were still able to you know generate those explosive plays. And I think the Titans can can also kind of do that, but can they generate consistency in their drives? Like I think the Bengals are going to have chances to turn the ball over plenty of times, and it just comes down to how is the Titans' more complete defensive line. How is that going to impact what the Bengals can do offensively? Because Aaron Donald is one thing, right? He's at the end of the day, he's just a man and he'll get his wins, but he's not going to completely ruin your game at this point in his career. Titans, like their, their, their defensive line is a little bit more complete. They have a little bit more firepower coming off the edge. And that's probably going to make more of a difference against this Bengals offensive line than what the Bengals had to deal with these past couple of weeks. So that's going to be a bigger challenge, but it's going to probably have to be another low-scoring game, which is nothing new in Tennessee. Yep. Firepower off the edge, yes, but power on the inside with Jeffrey Simmons. He He's yep. an animal, man. He's a good, good player. And when <laughs> hate to keep you know banging on, on Volson in that pass block score, when you see that kind of stuff and some of the pressure kind of coming mostly from the interior this year that has been given up, although it's been a lot less frequent than years past, uh, you know, that, that worries you a little bit. And then, of course... You know, Vrabel comes from the, you know, the Belichick tree and and all of that where, you know, Bill Belichick is is really, really good at a lot of different things. And one of which is, you know, how how his team usually responds after a loss, maybe even a bad loss. And so I, I think Vrabel has a little bit of that ingrained in his DNA. So this and, and we know from Mr. Teddy K uh you know <laughs> given given the given the business to the titans fans and the players the last time these two teams played there's a little bit of blood bad blood here so this should be an interesting game i think the Bengals are already favored to win in this one especially because of what happened with the titans last week against the browns but i don't think this is while it's a winnable game it's and it provides a winnable stretch or kicks off a winnable stretch it's not going to be a walk in the park type of game, particularly in their stadium. No, I mean the the, the Titans for all their flaws, there's they still have a pretty decent defense, specifically against the run. I think they're top five in terms of EPA allowed against the run. And like you said, Jeffrey Simmons can do just as many things as Aaron Donald can, and Jeffrey Simmons also has they also have more help. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be just a classic Bengals Titans game, I think. And you know, we'll, we'll see how the injury report kind of shakes out for them and. You know, it's it's not nothing to say that, you know, they're coming off of a bad loss and they probably want to get their, that taste out of their mouth for sure. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Um, we did uh, get another super chat from Mr. Generosity, a.k.a. Mr. Whisper. Thank you so much for that, Tanner Hudson. I thought I think there's, um, you know, some optimism on what he can do. Obviously, he has the size and the hands uh, it would be it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him going forward um and if if he's a guy that can be relied upon at least somewhat consistently in the passing game and one other thing i was surprised about last week and i'm wondering what the plan is in the weeks ahead i i guess i'm not surprised in some ways because it was his first game action of the of the year and his first game back coming from uh, off of an injury but i thought we would have seen we would have seen a little bit more joseph osai last night and so I expect that workload to potentially increase as that ankle continues to get closer and closer to 100%. He was active and, and got in there a little bit last night, but also Hendrickson and, and Hubbard were effective anyway with what they were doing. But I, I just expect him to become a factor. Joseph Osai, as 
the weeks roll on and potentially in this stretch coming up here. Yeah, it, him practicing full for the entire week, I think, created the 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 illusion that he was going to be kind of in his normal workload, but he ended up, ended up with five snaps. Miles Murphy ended up with seven. So, yeah. they, like, they were dealing with the rotation that they've essentially had for the past couple of weeks where, you, where you've had Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson play the vast majority of the game, which I don't think is ideal, especially towards November and December when you're trying to keep those guys fresh. I would imagine as, you know, aside just continues to get his feet under him. And same thing with Miles, with Miles Murphy in that sense. You're going to see more of a balance in that rotation. And, you know, obviously when Trey Hendrickson's playing like he did uh, on Monday night, you know, you don't mind him playing 46 snaps, but you, you definitely have to be mindful of that as the season goes on for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bengals, again, I, I use the term right the ship. And some people are like, I don't know if right, I saw a comment. I don't know if right the ship is the Staying alive. best. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they did what was needed. Let's, let's say that they did what was needed and what was needed was a win for sure. They approved a one and two and, and it's not, they needed that win, John, not just because like, Oh, zero and three, I mean, it's across the board in the division. If you're zero and three and everyone else is two and one, you're, I mean, you're hurting, man. So I, I think just from a divisional standpoint and the records across the board, this this is that's what kind of also made this a must win. Right. Like 0 and 2 is bad. 0 and 2 in the division of the gate is even worse. And that's what made it s- such a dire situation. And I mean, you, you, you have seen, though, like the Ravens are definitely vulnerable. Like there's they're still prone to those kind of off games. We just saw them uh, kind of crap the bed against the Colts there, which was a very interesting game. It was by far the most interesting game that I watched on, on the Sunday 1 p.m. slate. And the Steelers, I think, are finding themselves a little bit on offense, but I think that's definitely relative compared to how they started there. And you don't know what the Browns are going to look like w- without Nick Chubb for the entire season. Like Deshaun Watson, not surprised that he played well against an, an AFC South team. He always made a career off of you know destroying those bad teams, but that, that, that that's still very much a mystery, even though we know that defense is legit. So this division race is definitely far from over. And like you said, the Bengals need did what they needed to do to make sure that they were they weren't completely out of it. Yeah. Well, let's uh, drop the mic and get out of here. You've got a, a, a story, I think, that you would like to share, John. Before you do, I guess mine's just a quick mic drop because I want you to have the the majority of the floor because I I don't know what you're going to share specifically but i think what you're going to share is probably going to be something pretty cool uh this is this is just uh, my mic drop is just a comment like this uh john cameron our youtube chats and i love you guys love listening to all of your football insights and knowledge keep a keep the great job up i i don't do that to you know pat ourselves on the back type of thing it's uh you know when you receive compliments like that it's it you know like i said this is a passion project for john and i um we do put a lot of work into it and uh, we have a lot of fun doing it. We've talked to a lot of cool people. We've met a lot of cool people, be it listeners of our show or otherwise. And um, so we have a lot of fun with it, but uh, I appreciate that comment, John, you know, I, I, again, not that I'm fishing for compliments type of thing, but when you see that come up with the work that we put in here and the time uh, that we put in, and sometimes we don't have a best show, or at least I don't, my, you, you, you always bring the a game, my friend. I'm, I'm like C minus. Um, so, uh, you know, anyway, I, it was just a nice comment. I appreciate that, John. Appreciate that. Thank you, John. Love you, John. Love you too. Great name, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, uh, love you, Ron, Ron Spatola, who, uh, was gracious enough to invite me down, uh, to another oh, yeah. game. 
we're, we're undefeated watching the game together, and I got the opportunity. Are you really? Yeah, starting with four zero or five and zero. What 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 are we what are we at here? Both playoff games, um, the Dolphins game. We are at the Bills game, unfortunately, so that 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 was canceled. Uh, um, And then this game, so I think five and zero now. So yeah, five and zero with with my buddy Ron, section two thirty two. Shout out to him, and he was gracious enough to allow me to invite my friend uh, Sam, who was up from North Carolina. So he visited for the weekend. And Ron also gave me his pa- his parking pass, which he parks in like Hilltop or whatever. And we, you know, we were looking for parking downtown because we were looking to tailgate with a, with a friend who was uh, tailgating just north of the stadium. But then we figured, okay, well, let's just park uh, at the stadium. Let's just use the parking pass. So we parked there. We met up with our friend. We got into the stadium at like seven fifty, I want to say. And I on my phone, like it's on the Apple Wallet, like like that's how you like scan your tickets or whatever. So I tried to scan uh, my friend Sam in. And it wasn't working, and I wasn't really sure what was wrong with it. Uh, but they they just let Sam through because like they, they just try to keep the, keep the line pushing. So they were looking at my phone for like a minute. And they weren't really sure what was wrong with it. They had two guys looking at it. I wasn't sure what was wrong with it. Um, and then they just said, you know, what, just, just just go in there. It, like we can see as a ticket, it's not working. Whatever. And then I get through the gate, and I realized they were trying to scan my parking ticket, not my actual game tickets. So I, would, I didn't even need the game tickets to get into the stadium. They tried oh, to scan yes. my parking ticket, and I didn't even realize it until like I just looked at it later. So as I'm walking to our seats, I'm telling Sam what happened, and I'm, I'm like distracted by this. I, I, I was an inch away from bumping into Willie Anderson. He was just walking the no concourse. Way. Yeah, like he was on his way down to the field because there was the whole Ring of Honor thing. So I think maybe he was walking his way from up the field. But it's just Willie Anderson, all six, seven of him, six, five of him, just in the concourse. No one, no one seems to care at all. Like apparently, I don't care because I'm distracted by my phone and what what just happened at the gate. It was Willie Anderson just walking among us. Crazy. <laughs> Willie, uh, yeah, hard guy to miss, right? Hard guy to miss, yeah. but uh, one of one of the most beloved guys in Bengals history for sure. Uh, the, the stars were out last night, dude. Yeah. Um, Chad brought his family, and it looked like T.O. and T.J. were with him. Uh, Marvin like was with him. Other Bengals. Marvin was with him. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I thought mm-hmm. that was cool. You know, uh, I saw that on the side, and, and Marvin's yucking it up with with Hoosh on the sideline there before the game and stuff. So, uh, you know, I thought that was really cool. Did they? Because unfortunately, in the telecast, uh, they didn't really get to show much. What were, were you? Were you there in halftime? And you know, were they? Were the two guys honored? Were they chatting? What, 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 what kind of walk us through that a little bit? Yeah, I, I made sure to stay in my seat for that. Like it was just, it was Jeff Hobson. No pee break on that one. <laughs> no, no, no pee break on that one. But it was yeah, like yeah. it was Jeff Hobson's monologue with like the highlights of both of them, and then it was just the the jacket presentation. I think it was, I want to say it was Ken Ander- Ken Anderson put the jacket on Boomer. He did, and then um, I forget who put it on. I think Willie Chad. put it on Chad. Willie, yeah, Willie put it on Chad, which is pretty yeah. cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it was it was cool seeing their 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 names on the Ring of Honor banister kind of unveiled. But they they were, they were facing away from us, like they were facing like the other side of the stadium. So we just had to watch on the big board, which was which was fine, I guess. But yeah, it was it was it was really cool to, to see that. It was, and I mean that that's Chad, man. That, that's the guy I grew, I grew up watching, and to see him here and to see, see him so appreciative of everything, and it clearly means a lot to him. It was it was really cool to see. Did he did he cry? Did we confirm that he was talking about that on Twitter? Did he end up? crying uh when he got, I, i'm when not he got i'm not sure i'm not sure it was too far away to see that but yeah i wouldn't yeah. blame him if he did yeah yeah 
Well, congrats to both of them. Again, we've talked a lot about those two guys, Boomer and Chad, and what they meant to the organization, what they meant to us, you know, growing up with the team and watching the team, following the team and the, the successes that the team has had when both of them were on the field for playing for them. So really cool night. I'm glad you were there to, to, to see it in person, John. That's really cool. And a cool story about Willie Anderson. We had him on the show years and years ago. We got to try and get him back on. He is, he is awesome. Uh, and hopefully if, and when we get him on, we're talking about him making a solid and deserved hall of fame push for sure. Cause he is a deserving, deserving player, but that's going to do it for us. John Sheeran. Thank you, sir. Glad you had a good time last night. And thank you to all of the live listeners. Appreciate all the comments, interactions, and tuning in two nights in a row. We'll be back Thursday with more, including a Titans preview going forward and other opinions, analysis, all that good stuff. So once again, if you can, please Subscribe to the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel through your favorite audio streamer, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Um, go get the, the, the channel through a major, any real major podcast platform. Give us a subscribe on the YouTube channel. Give a thumbs up to the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. Keep it to both. CincyJungle.com and A to Z Sports.com to get your Bengals news fix. We'll be back later this week. John, uh, take care, buddy. I'll see you see you in a couple days as we process and continue to soak in the Bengals' first win of the season. Talk to you guys soon. All right, see ya. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk get one thousand dollars off vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox that's vanta.com slash vox for one thousand dollars off vanta support for this show comes from fundrise buy low sell high it's easy to say hard to do for example high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now demand is dropping and prices are falling even for many of the best assets it's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. 
This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.